Hey there, true believers. Welcome to the Task Force X Headcast, a proud member of the Headcast family. I am your host, as always, Aaron Moss, otherwise known as Brother Head. The Task Force Headcast follows the adventures of DC Comics' Task Force X. Task Force X was made up of the Suicide Squad comic, created by John Ostrander and Ryan Scott, which started in the late 80s, and the sister comic, Checkmate, which was created by Paul Kuppenberg and Steve Irwin. These were the two sides of DC's Espionage comics. I will attempt to chronicle each title and all the books that Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during this era. Hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them, oh so many years ago. Now, before we get started, let's hear a word from a friend of the show. Calabac, Desaad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Dedrick, and Arisia and Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water podcast. This episode, we're going to cover Legends 4 through 6, the finale of the Legends miniseries that introduced the world to the return of the Suicide Squad. And our character profile this episode is going to be a blockbuster. So, if there's no further questions, kids, let's get this show under the way. As I said, our character profile this week, or this episode, is blockbuster. Just so you know, there was a total of four blockbusters. But I'm, we're only going to look at the original blockbuster, as he is the one that we uh, heard about last episode. Uh, his name is or I guess I should say was, Mark Desmond. His first appearance was in Detective Comics 345 back in November of 1965, and he was created by the magnificent geniuses that are Gardner Fox and Carmen Infantino. I say geniuses because uh, Gardner Fox assisted in creating Ray Palmer the Atom, one of my favorite heroes, and Carmen Infantino... Uh, probably mispronouncing his name, sorry, sir, uh, was the original artist and assistant creating Barry Allen the Flash. Uh, so both men did wonderful, fantastic work and should be honored time immemorial for the work they, for the work they did on the Flash and the Atom. Now back to Blockbuster. Um, his abilities, he has superhuman strength, stamina, and endurance, plus a high resistance to physical and energy attacks. Uh, teams he's been a member of, he's been a member of the Secret Society of Supervillains, uh, that would be pre-Crisis, before the Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then the Suicide Squad, as you heard last episode. The first blockbuster was named Mark Desmond, as I mentioned earlier, who was a chemist who desired to increase his physical strength. 
Experimenting on himself, he succeeded in making himself stronger and taller, but as an unfortunate side effect of the process, he also became mindlessly aggressive. Kind of like the Hulk a little bit. Uh, the mental dis dilibate... Try that again in English. The mentally debilitated Desmond was cared for by his brother Roland, a local criminal who kept their mother from discovering what Mark had done to himself. Roland manipulated his brother into committing crimes on his behalf until they came in conflict with Batman and Robin. Bruce Wayne had once rescued young Desmond from drowning, and he discovered that he could calm the enraged adult Desmond by removing his cow, showing him his face. Though when Blockbuster first appears, he has to leap into a swamp and thrash around like him to remind Blockbuster of this uh, past instance. Desmond later found himself clashing with Batman on various occasions. He joined the Secret Society of Supervillains briefly for a battle with the Justice League. Later, uh, post-crisis, Amanda Waller recruited Desmond for her revived Suicide Squad. He was killed fighting Darkseid creation Brimstone, as you may be well aware if you listened to last episode. Uh, anyways, that's that, that's basically the end of uh, that blockbuster. Again, there was three others, but I'm not going to worry about them right now because they're not my concern. Uh, in other media, uh, in Justice League Unlimited, an episode entitled Kid Stuffed, he was voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Uh, him, Cheetah, Copperhead, and the KG Beast were rubbing a gold vault. Uh, blockbuster was also a member of the Secret Society in an episode entitled I Am Legion. However, after siding with Lex Luthor during the mutiny in favor of Gorilla Grodd in Episode Alive, he was frozen by Killer Frost and blown up by Darkseid along with other mutineers. Uh, Mark Desmond also appeared on, a on an episode of The Batman entitled Meltdown, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Desmond is a scientist working for Wayne Enterprises who is in charge of Ethan Bennett's, which was Clayface in that show. A pro agreement to not use the shape-shifting powers. Unlike the comics, uh, this version of Mark Desmond is uh, uh, African-American. Then the Mark Desmond version of Blockbuster also appears in Batman the Brave and the Bold, an episode entitled Death Race to Oblivion, with Mark Desmond voiced by James Arnold Taylor and Blockbuster voiced again by Kevin Michael Richardson. Uh, Batman confronts an evil child genius Desmond, who Batman has been keeping an eye on since he stole some chemicals from Star Labs, at a museum with a plot to steal a diamond called the Star of Baila? I can never pronounce that word. Uh, the crowd objects to Batman grabbing Desmond until the boy drinks the serum that transforms him into Blockbuster. As Blockbuster, he subdues Batman. Then when Billy Batson steps forth, Blockbuster grabs him. When Blockbuster asks Billy if he has any last words which with Billy Batson's a big mistake, because he then shouts, Shazam! and transforms into Captain Marvel, who manages to defeat Blockbuster. In an episode entitled The Night of the Batman, Black, Black, Black? No, it's Block. Blockbuster assists Bane, Killer Croc, and Solomon Grundy in sealing a statue, only to be thwarted by Captain Marvel dressed as Batman. And then finally, uh, the Mark Desmond version of Blockbuster first appears in a two-part Young Justice episode. Uh, again, Young Justice is a great show. If you can watch it, uh, track it down. Anyways, uh, an episode entitled Independence Day with Mark, Des Mark Desmond voiced by Rene Arbogenaros. If I'm not mistaken, he was on the old TV show uh, Benson and... Uh, 
later on he was on Deep Space Nine. Uh, this version of Blockbuster is very different in appearance to any of his comic book incarnations, having purposely been redesigned as it felt the original Blockbuster uh, was too similar to the Hulk, as I mentioned earlier. His transformation in the series involves his Blockbuster form ripping through his human skin. He is shown as a senior member of Project Cadmus, who takes his orders directly from the Light, which was a group of uh, bad guys working behind the scenes, and he uses the Blockbuster Serum in order to confront combat Robin, Kid Flash, Aqualad, and Superboy. The serum to take this form seems to have decreased his intelligence. As Aqualad said, I doubt he is planning anything anymore. He is defeated by the four by the time the Just League arrived and is taken away by some of the Just League members. In an episode entitled Terrors, Blockbuster was seen as an inmate at Bell Rev and was acting as muscle for Icicle Sr. along with Mammoth. I'm sorry, alongside Mammoth. He and Mammoth were defeated by Superboy. In an episode entitled Usual Suspects, Blockbuster joins Lex Luthor, Queen Bee, Sportsmaster, and Bane in a meeting with Superboy, Miss Martian, and Artemis. During the fight between the young heroes and the assembled villains, Lex Luthor managed... Try that again. Lex Luthor mentioned that Dr. Desmond wasn't able to add to the other programs to control Superboy and blame Dr. Desmond for it. Superboy manages to defeat Blockbuster, of course. Uh, and then in films, uh, Blockbuster was supposedly going to be featured in David S. Croyer's script for a Green Arrow film entitled Supermax. Supposedly is one of the primary antagonists. I believe that movie's gone by the wayside. What I heard of it didn't really sound that great to me. It was uh, basically Green Arrow in a Supermax in a, super, in a prison trying to escape or something. I don't know. Anyways, on to video games. Uh, Blockbuster appeared as a boss in the video game Young Justice Legacy. And that wraps up Blockbuster's appearances in film, media, uh, television, video games, and what have you. Uh, normally, I would move on to the next issue of the comic, but at this point we're going to take a slight, a slight sidetrack, and we're going to review the new Batman animated movie called Batman... Assault on Arkham. It was released on DVD and Blu-ray August the 12th, 2014. Uh, I've seen it, and well, here goes my review on it. Uh, we start out with the Riddler doing a voiceover, talking to the wall as we go up to this complex. And in case you're a first-time listener or you don't remember, uh, I'm not talking about when I say the wall. He's not talking to a wall. He's talking to Amanda Waller, uh, nicknamed The Wall, who's in charge of Checkmate. He says, what runs around a city but never moves? And before she can answer, he says, a wall. He then says, what belongs to you but others use more than you? And Amanda pops off, your name. And Riddler's like, you've heard this before? And Amanda's like, no, I use Google like everyone else. <laughs> thought that was a funny line there myself. Uh, so he's like, so wh why are you talking to me this way? Because he thinks he's the bee's knees and all that. And she's like, I'm just talking to you. I'm stalling while I pinpoint your location. About this time, a handful of go Waller's goons break in. They capture the Riddler. Uh, and as they start to capture him, suddenly Batman breaks in. And he tells the guys that the Riddler is his. Uh, there's a fight scene of Batman taking out all of Waller's goons. 
He then throws uh, the Riddler up against the wall and questions him, wants to know, uh, tells him that he knows that Riddler worked for him, in quotes, and where is it, again in quotes, very vague and ominous. We then cut to uh, Amanda Waller, who says that she's invoking ultraviolet and that she's got a mission for Task Force X, the Suicide Squad. At this point, we're introduced to the Suicide Squad to a techno background music. Um, in case you're not aware, this is based on the uh, Batman Arkham Games uh, universe. And uh, maybe it's just me, but this is very game-oriented. Very game. The music and the way the cutscene are, it very much reminds me of video game. Uh, so we're introduced to the Suicide Squad members individually. We start out with Killer Frost. Uh, then we go to King Shark, Black Spider, Captain Boomerang, the KJ Beast, Harley, or Harlequin, and Deadshot, uh, sporting his full goatee. Uh, again, as I said, to me this is very reminiscent of a video game. Uh, we then get the title card saying Batman Assault on Arkham. Uh, next we know, uh, we see our gang waking up together in a room, all decked out in their costumes. Uh, we get Harley and Boomer, uh, Captain Boomerang, and Floyd, a.k.a. Deadshot, making uh, references that they've all gone through this before. Uh, so this is not the first time that they've been recruited for the Suicide Squad, from what it sounds like. Uh, King Shark attacks Frost, who kicks his behind, just wipes the floor up with him. Floyd makes a comment that he's been here before. About this time, Waller comes into the room and says that she's here to indoctrinate. Indoctr indoctrinate? Yes, indoctrinate them. Boomer says, Some fresh air? Time off my sins? You can call me anytime. Yes, that was my, my very poor Australian accent. Uh, the wall then tells them what the Suicide Squad is. Basically what I've talked about you guys with before. Uh, she tells them that she's placed explosives in the base of their skulls. The KJ Beast says that she's lying, that she wouldn't do that. She opens the door and says, go ahead and try me. He walks out. As he gets out into the corridor, all of a sudden his head explodes. Well, I said his head explodes. It's more like his neck explodes. His head goes flying off. Uh, the rest of the team, you know, is thoroughly impressed by this and, and floored. And they're like, you know, we're going to listen. Uh, she tells them that their mission is to break into Arkham Asylum. Uh, Harley Quinn's very excited about this. Uh, she's busy coming on to Floyd also. She's uh, Apparently, since Mr. J's locked up, she finds Deadshot appealing. Uh, Waller tells them that the Riddler broke into their systems and stole all the information that they have on all past, current, and future Suicide Squad members. Their job is to get it back. It's hidden in the Riddler's cane in the property lockup. Uh, before they leave, she tells Deadshot to keep the body count to a minimum and to use rubber bullets. Floyd reminds her that she better play straight with them or he's going to kill her. And then once again, she gasses the group. Next time they wake up, they're in a plane. Uh, again, Harley's still flirting like mad with Floyd, and Boomer's trying to flirt with Harley to no avail. Uh, Floyd, once again, makes another reference that him and Boomer, Captain Boomerang, have worked together before. Insinuating, I guess, 
it seems to me anyways, a past Suicide Squad missions that they've been a member of. Suddenly some straps come out and straps around them, boxes pop up and form around them, <clears throat> and the bottom of the plane opens and they drop from the plane. Uh, you hear some of the team members kind of screaming, kind of freaking out a little bit. Meanwhile, you hear Harley Quinn laughing like a loon, which I guess she kind of is. As they're falling from the sky, Waller reminds them over the speaker that she holds their life in their hands. Deadshot again. Deadshot calls Waller a crazy female dog. Uh, again, there is a bit of language in the movie. It's more like a PG-13. I guess she mentioned that now. So again, since I'm trying to keep this as a family-friendly headcast, uh, I'll try to avoid using that language as long as it doesn't slip in there. <laughs> um, anyways, so he calls her crazy. Suddenly the box is open, and the gang is uh, falling in midair. They're free-falling. Uh, the parachute's open at the last minute, except for Killer Frost, which it opens, but it breaks, and she starts falling. Uh, she happens to fall into King Shark, who catches her and absorbs the impact. But again, they're falling so quickly that they uh, do hit a car. But again, King Shark's holding her in his arms, and he kind of absorbs the impact and saves her from damage. Uh, Black Spider leads them down to the sewers, so they get to the rendezvous point unseen. Uh, Captain Boomerang's complaining about the sewers and saying, you know, all this just to avoid, you know, Batman. And Deadshot, Floyd, calls him on it and steps up to him and, you know, calls him out and Boomer kind of backs down and uh, this is fine. Uh, next thing we know, we f they find themselves at the Penguins Club. Uh, the Penguin in this version is seems like a very monstrous Penguin. Uh, he seems like very reminiscent of uh, the Batman Returns movie. He's sitting there eating raw fish. He's very white. Uh, after a brief altercation with Harley, because uh, he's mad about uh, some previous heist that the Joker either botched or fouled up for him, uh, he finally gives them the plans on how to break into Arkham. Uh, we see them suiting up in their suits and their costumes, if you will. Again, more techno video game music. We see Floyd loading his wrist guns. Uh, as he loads them up, he looks over and we see a box of rubber bullets that Wall, the Wall demanded he used. Instead of those, he takes some live ammunition. Uh, again, Deadshot's not great at listening and following orders. It reminds me a bit of my kids. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next thing, Deadshot comes in. We see Boomerang is drinking to some other guys. Uh, Floyd comes in dressed in his costume without his mask on. And we see we see that he shaved off his goatee and left just his mustache, looking very much like the classic Floyd Lawton that I'm familiar with, I know, and I love. We then cut to Killer Frost talking to Amanda Waller on the intercom, or on a uh, walkie-talkie, whatever, walkie-talkie, what is this, the 1950s? Uh, some sort of video prompter, she's talking to her. And Amanda tells Killer Frost that she has her on... <laughs> Try that again. Amanda Waller tells Killer Frost that she has a special mission, a special assignment for her. Something that she wants to keep between just the two of them. Uh, next, we see Floyd going into his room. Uh, unbeknownst to him, there's Harley in his bed, sans clothing. They then have some, what I like to call, mommy and daddy time. We see them rest around a little on the bed. We cut to the outside. We hear the sounds of violent uh, lovemaking going on, we'll call it. 
Suddenly, Harley screams, Yahtzee! That is one weird, twisted little girl. The next, we see Harley breaking into a toy store, and she's destroying dolls, mutilating them, when suddenly, Batman shows up. There's a nice little fight sequence here. Uh, but, of course, Batman does beat Harley down. He then questions her about where it is. Again, it is in quotes. She says she doesn't know. We see that the rest of the squad is watching this, or video cameras. And Floyd calls Amanda up and asks what they're talking about. She informs them, at this point, that the Joker stole a dirty bomb and has hidden it in the city somewhere. Batman, meanwhile, is trying to find it. That's why Batman was chasing down the Riddler earlier on. Uh, Batman uses his thermals and whatever sensors he has in his cow to determine that she's telling the truth. And he then turns over to the cops, so they take her back to Ark Arkham Asylum. As the police car pulls up into the asylum, the trunk conveniently pops open, so we can see that the real police officer is actually tied up in there, and that Floyd Lawton has taken his place. Floyd comes out, puts his hat on, it's just the trunk. He then takes Harley out and walks her up to Arkham. Uh, there's a long walk up to the front doors in the rain. Uh, seems like there should be a little closer parking, but I don't know. Anyways, meanwhile, at the morgue, Captain Boomerang, disguised as an EMT, is wheeling a gurney in. Uh, the guards pet the body bag through an x-ray machine, and we can tell that it's Killer Frost inside the bag. Uh, the guards mention that they don't get much deader than this. This one's as cold as ice. Get it, Killer Frost? Cold as ice? Anyways, uh, one of the guards says that there's nothing in the system about a new body, Boomer knocks on Frost's head, saying, hey, she's dead. Meanwhile, the Black Spider is taking out a staff member and steals his, his, his suit, his uh, clothes, and he tries going into the asylum, but he stopped as the system doesn't recognize the badges he's using. Back inside Arkham Asylum, Floyd and Harley see Joker as Floyd disguises the guard as leading her to her cell. The Joker's taunting her, teasing her until she grabs Floyd's gun and starts just empties it into the Joker's bulletproof window. One of the bullets bounces off of the bulletproof glass and hits a conduit nearby, breaking it open. Uh, the Joker, meanwhile, is all, <laughs> women, can't live with him, can't kick him out of the moving car. Harley knocks Floyd back where the broken conduit is, and she jumps up and fires the last bullet through the breathing hole in the Joker's cell. The bullet bounces around and breaks a small hole in the cell wall. Harley then tells the Joker that she has someone new, someone better. Floyd looks at where the cable's exposed at and he's like, it's good enough. And we see him clamp something onto the exposed cables. And then back in the morgue, the, the system's finally registering the new body. Uh, also... Black Spider finally shows up in the system as an employee and is allowed in the building. Back in the morgue, a doctor opens up Frost's body bag. His eyes, go, his eyes go wide as he starts perving over her naked body. Again, we can't see it, but we see enough to know that she's naked. And the, the doctor thinks, well, as Shag Matthews fond of saying, she is hot. Uh, but then he goes from perving to freaking out as her eyes open up, and she sits up, grabs him, and just gives him a big old kiss, freezing him instantly. Uh, she then drops him to the floor, 
and when his head hits the floor, it just shatters. <laughs> uh, she gets up to, and starts putting her top back on. Uh, she walks over to Captain ba- Captain Boomerang and knees him right in the uh, the daddy parts, telling him that's payback from when he knocked her on the head. Uh, she also calls him Captain Kangaroo, which I thought was rather funny. Uh, back to the kitchen, where we see Black Spider is putting a bunch of silverware in the microwave for about 50 seconds, and then he kicks in a dumbwaiter, kicks in a dumbwaiter, climbs into a dumbwaiter, and kicks open a gas pipe. Back to Harley and Joker talking, uh, with her taunting him with the new guy, she tells Joker that the guard is him, in quotes. Uh, Joker says he remembers him. Deadhead, buckshot, something like that. Floyd grabs Harley and takes her away. Uh, Joker makes a final comment that he bets that the guard gets his shirt secondhand, too. Then back to the kitchen again, where the microwave goes off, explodes, and it causes half the power in the building to go off. Uh, I'm kind of waiting until the end to make a lot of comments, but at this point I'm going to say I, I don't know if it would cause this kind of explosion. I know he kicked in the gas main, let the gas out. I, I haven't tried it. I don't plan on trying it, but I'm just wondering if it would cause enough sparks to actually make a gas main explode. Sounds like a job for Mythbusters. Anyways, uh, meanwhile, while that's going on, uh, Black Spider, we see Black Spider, Killer Frost, and Captain Boom- Boomerang trying to pull up in a grate. Suddenly, F- Floyd and Harley come in. Floyd mentions that they ran into Harley's ex. Uh, then they all grab the grating and pull it, and allow- pulling it open, allowing King Shark to come in with their bag of equipment, which he flops on the ground. Uh, we then cut to a scene of the gang, fully dressed in their gear, exiting an elevator, doing a slow walk down a hallway uh, to, to more music, techno, whatever kind of music it is. Uh, they then walk into the main security hub and take the guards out in quick order. Waller comes back on and uh, over the mics and threatens them again to watch their step. Uh, King Shark then has the idea to, for them to play yesterday's security footage, That way, if someone's monitoring it, uh, they won't notice any differences. Uh, We then cut to them outside, where they have to cross the yard to get the evidence lockup. On the way, they run into security towers, four of them. Deadshot starts to take them out, and Boomerang stops him and says, Hey, you take out two, I'll take out two. So, of course, Deadshot takes out his two quickly. Uh, Boomerang throws his boomerangs, takes one guy out. But the second ring misses the, first, misses the second guy. And Floyd's about ready to say something. He's like, well, wait a minute, wait for it. Boomerang, of course, as, as it does, it comes back and hits the guard on the rebound. Unfortunately, going back and coming back to the guard was just enough to allow the guard to uh, get on his mic and tell the guards to do a patrol sweep of the yard. At this point, uh, four, the four guards are finally knocked out. Uh, Floyd and Boomer have a little tussle, and as the guards approach, uh, King Shark attacks the guards, which makes the rest of the team have to join in and fight also. We then cut to Zaz, Zaz? I guess you pronounce it, uh, with a hostage out on the streets until Batman shows up to take him out. He shoots at Zaz, it goes beyond his head, hits the wall behind him, and pulls a brick out and hits him in the back of the head, knocking him out. Rather nice, I thought. Uh, Batman then gets in his car and talks to Alfred about uh, 
the way that Har Harley was acting earlier was kind of odd. Didn't seem quite right. They then watch the security footage, or security monitors, over at Arkham, and Batman notices that a couple of the guys that are working is actually on the Thursday crew. And since this isn't Thursday, they must be watching some old footage. So there's something wrong at Arkham. So off he goes to Arkham Asylum. Uh, speaking of Arkham Asylum, we go back there as we see Floyd stopping King Shark from killing a guard by knocking his feet out from underneath him and knocking King Shark to the ground. Then Harley's able to get him into the property room. At this point, uh, she tells him that, you know, I used to work here, that's how I can get it in. She knows the uh, warden's password. Uh, so they're into the property room. We see a bunch of boxes. As they're walking between the shelves, Captain Boomerang comes across Scarface. Scarface? Scarface. If you're a Batman fan, uh, you may be familiar with Scarface. He's a dummy that another guy, uh, the ventriloquist, uses. We're not quite sure if Scarface controls the ventriloquist or if it's just the ventriloquist doing the Scarface doll or dummy. But he's a crime boss from Gotham. Anyways, Captain Boomerang runs across Scarface. Uh, we then find Harley finding a box of Joker's goodies. Uh, she's pulling things out, and we see the mask from uh, The Dark Knight, the movie. Uh, we see a smiling fish, which has been used in stories in both the comics and cartoons. And finally, she pulls out a rubber giant... A rubber? No, she pulls out a, a giant mallet. And says, there you are! While Floyd finds the Riddler's cane. That, came, that they came to look for. Uh, while he's doing that, we cut over to King Shark, who's reading off a list of crates that they find. Uh, we see Killer Moth, Firefly, and Maxi Zeus's uh, cases. These are like wooden crates, what these cases are I'm referring to. Uh, so he finds, like I said, Killer Moth, Fireflies, and Maxi Zeus's cases, boxes. And he makes a comment that, you know, whoever these guys are, then Killer Frost finds Mr. Freeze's gun. About this time, Batman enters and starts fighting King Shark. Killer Frost uses the gun on Batman, misses him, and hits King Shark. Uh, I could be a mistake. I don't know why Killer Frost needs to use the gun. Uh, I know she can, from the comics, anyways, she absorbs heat, and that's how she makes cold. Uh, maybe just she wants it for the long-range attack, I'm assuming. Uh, anyways, so Batman then starts fighting Floyd and breaks his wrist gun, one of his wrist guns, and then turns starts fighting the Black Spider. Uh, while he's fighting Black Spider, both Boomerang and Harley attack him, and he's able to take them out with, like, a kick, while Killer Frost once again attacks with the gun. Uh, Batman throws a Batarang, takes her out, and then he starts fighting King Shark again, who's up, uh, using some, like, electro uh, fist or electro uh, brass knuckles, and just shocks, and he hits them right in the nards and shocks them. Uh, Floyd pulls out a rocket launcher he found and shoots it, causing the warehouse to start collapsing. Uh, the team runs out, leaving Black Spider and Batman fighting it out. Uh, the, king, the gang is outside the room when suddenly Black Spider emerges victorious, holding Batman's belt. Uh, Floyd opens up the end of the cane, 
and finds it empty, no thumb drive in it. Wondering what's going on, they suddenly notice that Killer Frost is missing from their group. We cut to Killer Frost and the Riddler in the Riddler's cell. Uh, Riddler makes a comment to Frost that Waller wants him dead, as he's the only one that can defuse the nanopods. We then see the rest of the team rushing down the hall, going towards the Riddler's cell. We cut to the Joker, uh, thinking about Harley and her, her new man getting just more peeved off about it. As he's thinking, he looks over and he sees the cracked wall from earlier when Harley shot at it. And he's able to open up a little bit more and free himself from his cage. Uh, back to the Riddler's cell, where the team shows up and they find the Riddler's cell empty. Uh, Waller takes this moment to call in to find out what's going on, get a mission update. We cut back to the Joker, taking out a couple of the guards. Uh, then we cut to the special crimes unit trying to stop Killer Frost and Riddler from reaching the medical center when the rest of the team shows up. Frost tells the gang that the Riddler knows how to defuse the bombs in their heads. Killer Shark, or I'm sorry, King Shark, takes out the special crimes unit and gets the team to the medical center. Inside the medical center, the Riddler tells the team that he can use the electroshock system to defuse the bombs. He said all he needs to do is run a thousand volts through their heads. He tells Deadshot that he needs to put his weapons to the side because of the metal and electricity and all that. Uh, when asked if it's going to work, he goes, well, either the work or give you a grand mall seizure. Black Spider says he'll play lookout so they're not all tied up and unconscious or being suffer or being uh, electrocuted in case something happens. Again, about this time, Waller decides to call in while the Riddler's hooking him up. Floyd tells Waller that the spider that they're meant the, 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 try that in English for you. Waller calls in, find out what's going on. Uh, Deadshot tells him that tells her that they ran into some complications, and she's like, "What kind of complications? You're in the medical center. What's going on?" He says, "Well, the black spider needs medical attention." We come back to a man who's looking at our monitor, and she says, "Spider, but he no more excuses." Uh, Riddler then starts the electroshock. Uh, which, in my opinion, Harley is enjoying way too much. At this point, the Waller, the Waller, the Wall, realizes that the team's trying to pull something over on her. Uh, we then cut back to Arkham Asylum, where we see Batman limping down the hall, where the Joker runs across him, who's back in his own outfit now. We cut back to the Waller, saying, "Nobody screws the Wall," as she hits the detonate button. Uh, back in the uh, medical center, King Shark's neck starts glowing. And Harley tells Riddler, do it again, you know, shock him again. Riddler's thinking that maybe Shark's neck is too thick for the electrodes to defuse the bomb. Suddenly, the team is covered in Shark Head. Well, King Shark Head. His head explodes and makes a big mess. Uh, we cut to where the Joker is about ready to shoot the Batman, when suddenly the Batman head explodes. Joker, well, I guess not his head again, his neck explodes, popping the head off. Uh, Joker looks down at the gun he's holding, saying, the best gun ever. Back in the medical center, Captain Boomerang's wondering why King Shark's head exploded, but the Black Spider's didn't, since he wasn't hooked up to the electrodes. Back to the Joker, lifting up the remains of Batman's head, I say in quotes, where he looks at it and we see that it's actually the Black Spider. Back to the medical center, 
the Riddler finally Riddler figures out at this point that the Black Spider is actually Batman. Batman throws a battering at Riddler, causing him to turn the electroshock machines back on accidentally. Uh, the Joker picks up the spider's head, the spider's ear gear, and from what he can hear going on, he figures out that the squad is in the medical center. We then see Batman back. We back go back to Batman with his cowl on. I'm not sure how he got his cowl, unless he happens to carry two of them, because there was one on Black Spider, but minor little nitpick, I guess. Uh, and also putting his belt back on. He pulls the electrodes off Floyd and asks him why he's there. Floyd tells Batman that the Waller, that the Wall, wanted the Riddler dead for some reason. Joker shows up, starts shooting, throws down some mini explosives which goes off freeing the team from the chairs. Um, the team gets out of there, and Harley grabs her hammer, while the Joker's shooting at Batman. Batman flees out a window, and the Joker runs over, shooting at him, saying, Yahtzee. Sounds familiar? Uh, we see the team on the run through the building, and they cross the Joker's path again, with him holding Floyd's wrist gun, Harley runs up to the Joker. He knocks her down. Uh, she starts to get up, telling him that, you know, she was only using the team to help him escape. That's the only reason that she was actually there for him. Uh, she gets up, and the two of them walk off. Until the Joker stops, turns around, and goes back to kill Floyd. Because, you know, he doesn't like anyone rubbing another man's rhubarb. Uh, if you don't get that, that's a reference from the 1989 Batman movie. Uh, so he goes back to kill Floyd. Uh, Floyd's able to bluff his way out. He tells the Joker that he's out of bullets. And then when nothing's happened, so the Joker's out of bullets. And so when the Joker shoots Floyd and nothing happens, uh, Floyd's going to bludgeon his brains out. Joker thanks, looks up and looks at the gun, shoots up in the air saying, I knew there was bullets left. At this point, Floyd punches him in the face, retrieving his wrist guns. As they get out of there, Boomerang looks over at Floyd and goes, You just out crazy the Joker. Which again was a, a funny line. I laughed. I enjoyed that. Uh, back to Harley and the Joker escaping via the laundry chute. Uh, as they land on the chute, the Joker reclaims his mallet and opens the top, revealing the bomb. The nuclear the dirty nuclear the blah, 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 blah. Try that in English. He opens the lid of the mallet revealing a the nuclear bomb in the mallet. He starts it up. We cut back to the rest of the Suicide Squad, uh, running away, arguing as they want to do. Again, Boomerang and Deadshot arguing, when suddenly Batman shows up looking for the Joker. Floyd tells Batman that Joker took Harley and the mallet, and they disappeared. The light goes off in Batman's head, and he realizes that the mallet is where the bomb is hidden. At this point, Joker appears on the monitors around him and threatens to destroy Gotham. He also says, you know, we need more people at this party, and he releases the inmates. We see doors opening, we see uh, Harvey Dent, Two-Face, we see Bane, and we see Poison Ivy being released. I'm not too crazy about the way he did Bane in here, but... It wasn't bad, but he was a little bigger than I would have liked. I know it's weird saying he's bigger than I like, but yeah, I don't know. He just 
a little cartoony for me. Uh, so the Batman takes off to find the Joker. At this point, a, a CSU, Special Crimes Unit Chopper, lands. And the team sees this. So Freud, Freud, Frost pushes Floyd and Boomer down and takes off after the Chopper to try to get out of there. Uh, the inmates that are being released are fighting the cops, the SCU guys, big melee going on. Uh, we see the Scarecrow and Bane busting out. Uh, we see Ivy turning some of the cops and some of the other criminals to her side by kissing them and controlling them, as she wants to do. A Two-Face goes up to a cop's car. About this point, Killer Frost grabs him, gives him a little kiss, and she, he starts to turn blue and backs away. And she gets in the car and takes off, which Bane decides to pick up, and he throws towards Floyd, which explodes with Frost still inside. Captain Boomerang and uh, Floyd both run for the helicopter, fighting to get there first. I guess the two idiots haven't heard of teamwork. They're both in the copter, fighting over it. As it's taking off, uh, Lloyd's able to maneuver the copter, so Boomerang flies out of the copter and lands back on the ground. Uh, we see Bane demolishing more cop cars. Uh, Batman shows up and starts pulling his tubes out and pushes him into the water. Batman then calls his Batwing, or whatever he's calling his jet, to him, and chases Floyd Lawton down, leaving Gordon talking to himself in typical fashion. Uh, we then see the Joker and Harley are also in Lawton's copter. Lawton and Joker fight. Uh, Harley's able to get Joker's gun. Uh, she's wavering on who to shoot, either Joker, because he's been such a, a bad boyfriend, or Lawton, since she still loves the Joker, and part of her still wants to be with him. Uh, before she can decide who to shoot, though, the copter almost crashes into a building. Uh, she jumps at the controls, able to swing away, and just barely scrapes the building. Uh, Batman then shows up and gives chase. Harley finds the rockets on the chopper, on the chopper, finds the rockets on the helicopter, and shoots at Batman. Batman swings over to the copter, into their copter. He socks the Joker right in his jaw, stopping him from shooting Floyd. Uh, the helicopter is out of control at this point, so Batman pulls Harley and then the hammer out, leaving Floyd and Joker to crash into the building. Uh, upon finding themselves in the building, Harley tries to hit Batman with the mallet, but he kicks it back and knocks her in the head with it. Uh, they fight. Meanwhile, uh, Joker and Floyd do their little dance. Uh, by dance, I mean fighting, of course. Uh, Joker tries to use his acid flower on Floyd. Then we cut back to Batman taking the mallet from Harley. And knocks her out. On the inside of the mallet, when he takes the, the top of it off, I want to say lid, but whatever, he talks, takes the top off, there's a note on there that says, Cut the red wire and cut out letters like a ransom note or something. Uh, then back to the Joker and Floyd, where Joker pulls a chain from his backside, out of his, his back pocket maybe, I don't know, he just pulls it out of his back, and he wraps around Floyd. Uh, they fight some more, Very again, very video gamey. Uh, looks much like a video game to me. Uh, Joker then stabs Floyd in the back with a couple of daggers, and Floyd turns around and just beats the living tar out of Joker and throws him back into the helicopter, which then slides out of the building and goes over the side. 
Uh, we cut down to Batman defusing the bomb. To me, it looks like almost every wire in here was red, so I'm not sure how he did it, but he's able to clip the right wire. Defuse the bomb as we see the helicopter go flying past him. Uh, we cut back outside where the helicopter crashed and explodes. Joker inside? I don't know. Again, very vague with that. We then cut to Batman confronting Waller about her trying to kill the Riddler. Uh, we find out that the Riddler's escaped. Uh, Batman tells her that it's over. She says, huh, "Who's gonna? Who's? I'm the government. Who's gonna stop us? The criminals? You gonna start a blog, Batman? That's checkmate, Batman." Kind of laughed at that, as Checkmate is their sister organization, as we all know. Uh, she, she then makes a comment that they never did find the Joker's body in the helicopter. Uh, she turns around, Batman's gone. Uh, she calls him a punk. Uh, she sits at her desk. Uh, suddenly a red dot appears on her chest. She looks at that and looks out the window and says, Mother! And she cuts off as we cut over to Floyd. We see him sitting across the way with a sniper rifle. Uh, behind him, his daughter's playing... Uh, looks like she had some earphones or uh, earmuffs or something on. We got to a close-up on Floyd's mouth, and he says, Bang. The end. And then we have more video, techno video music game. Uh, try that again in English for you. We have more techno video game and music playing at this point. Uh, and the credits. The credits roll. Uh, the most important ones, uh, Waller, was by CCH Pounder. Uh, who I always thought would be good for a live-action Waller. Uh, Batman is the legendary Coven, Coven? Kevin Conroy. Uh, you might know him from the, uh, the old 90s Batman animated series. Uh, a fantastic voice for Batman. Uh, Deadshot was voiced by Neil McDonough. I did a good job. Harley was Hayden Walsh. And then we get our credits on here that says Amanda Waller was created by John Ostender and John Byrne. Yay! Um, overall, I, I thought this was a fantastic movie. Again, there was some bits and pieces I didn't care too much for. Uh, I thought it was a little video gamey, as I keep saying. But again, it's based on a video game. So it's supposed to be in the Batman Arkham's uh, video game universe. So I, I can forgive that. Um, a couple of the characters, uh, when they showed Alfred, again, he was only for a very minor, brief instance. Uh, the voice was fine. I, I didn't care much for the way he looked. He was alright, but he just wasn't Alfred. I thought it was strange. I mean, he didn't have the mustache. He didn't look quite as, as thin or quite as old as, uh, maybe not as old, but quite as thin. He just didn't look quite like Alfred to me. Uh, again, seeing how it's a drawing and it's not a person we're trying to get to look like that. I don't know why they didn't draw it more like your your average Alfred. Again, I haven't played much of the uh, Batman and Arkham games. I've got one of them. I haven't gotten very far. I don't have much time for video games in my life at this point. So uh, maybe that's the way Alfred looks in those games if they show them. I'm not sure. Um, as far as our main characters, uh, most of them look pretty good. Uh, Killer Frost, who's a Firestorm villain. I was a little disappointed with the way she looked. Uh, she she had normal skin tones from what I could see for the most part. Maybe a little pale. But she was mostly normal looking skin tones. Where in the comics she's usually white. Um, very, very ice looking. 
wasn't 100% happy with that. It wasn't bad. Uh, and uh, King Shark, here he looked more like a mutated human. He, it looked like he had like a metal jaw implanted and like a metal uh, head fin or whatever. Again, I, I prefer the comic version where he is actually a mutated shark. If you're going to use King Shark, in my opinion, you should they should use King Shark as he is. Again, they maybe they pulled this from the video game somewhere. I, I don't know. But uh, the rest of the characters, like I said, I, I think I mentioned the penguin earlier. Uh, he looked kind of monstrous. You're very reminiscent to me of the Tim Burton penguin, which, again, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I don't like the monstrous penguin. Uh, he should be short, the, the, the big nose, uh, rotund, 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 whatever, fat. He should be fat. But not quite so monstrous looking, eating raw fish. I just don't, not a big fan of that. Other than that, uh, Waller, I'm not a big fan of her with the buzz cut. I like her with the longer hair, usually in a ponytail or pulled up. But overall, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this Waller. Um, Waller, yeah, she was the larger Waller from John Ostinger's Suicide Squad. I, I love that. I thought they did a great job on that. Um, overall, I say the art, the the, the uh, art on it was very to me video gamey. Uh, I enjoyed it. I uh, would love to see another movie with the uh, Suicide Squad in it. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, further notes on uh, my buddy Ben's blog. I've got links on my site about it. His uh, Task Force X blog he's got. Uh, him and some other guys on it had a little conversation on there when the movie came out. Uh, he was thinking that Waller was acting a little out of character in here. Uh, he made a comment on there that uh, it seemed like Waller was uh, more bloodthirsty, more villainous, more didn't mind innocence dying. I didn't quite get that myself. I mean, she did tell her she told Deadshot to keep the uh, body count to a minimum. Uh, she told me to use rubber bullets. So. I thought myself, I thought it was very Amanda Waller-ish. Um, if you've read the old Suicide Squad comics that John Ostinger wrote, uh, go on my site and leave a message. Let me know what you think. Or send me an email to uh, taskforce, taskforcex at headspeaks.com. Uh, let me know what you thought about Amanda Waller, the movie in general. Uh, I'll read your comments on the air. Uh, anyways, that, that is uh, Batman. Assault on Arkham, starring the Suicide Squad. I definitely recommend, if you're a fan of the Suicide Squad, uh, go out and pick it up. If you're a fan of Batman, he's not in it too much. They could have got away with calling it just the Suicide Squad, Assault on Arkham, or just Assault on Arkham. But Batman sells, so they had to include his name in it. Uh, he wasn't in there a whole lot, but he was in there some. If you're a Batman fan, pick it up. Again, Kevin Conroy... He is Batman. He did an awesome job, as always, as Batman. As I've said, CCH, CCH uh, Pounder did a fantastic job as the wall. I, I think she pegged it exactly. For the most part, I enjoyed all the voice acting in this. Uh, it's a great movie. I can't go on enough about it. Definitely go out and check it out. Uh, I think I've spent enough time uh, on this one. So we're going to go ahead and stop here, and we're going to hear from uh, a little promo. Check it out. A walrus saved your life? Why are you doing this? 
Are you really mourning your humanity? I don't understand. Who in the hell would want to be human? From writer, director, and podcaster, Kevin Smith. I'm so scared. This guy wants to turn me into an animal or something. This autumn. I don't want to die in Canada. Tusk. Uh, me, personally, I'm looking forward to Tusk. I want to see that. Uh, I was listening to the podcast that it originated from. Sounds like a great movie coming out. Look, I think it's coming out in October. Look for it. And now, let's get back on with my show. Okay, wow, it's going to be a long show today, kids. Uh, we're already about 50 minutes into it, and we're just now getting to our first issue, uh, Legends, issue number four. The title of this bad boy was called Cry Havoc. The cover date was February 1987. Though, again, as Shag Matthews always says, if you want to buy this off the newsstand, set your Wayback Machine or your DeLorean to November the 27th, 1986. That's right, back in November of 1986. Um, again, this was 75 cents for a 22-page story. I miss those days. Um, plotter was uh, John Ostender. Scripter, Len Wein. Penciler, John L. Byrne. Inker, Carl Kiesel. Letterer, Steve Haney. Colorist, Carl Gafford. And, of course, the editor was Mike Gold. Uh, again, all the covers have been done by John Byrne. Uh, this was reprinted uh, in Legends, the Collection, trade paperback, which came out in 1993. The cover of this one shows Godfrey with uh, torches in each of his hand, while stuffed effigies of the heroes are being burned behind him. Uh, the effigies we can see is Blue Beetle, uh, Superman, Flash, Black Canary, Superman, sorry, I said Superman, Batman, and Guy Gardner. Uh, Goffrey has a bit of a maniacal look on his face. Actually, me on this this picture here, he looks a bit like Arcade from over at the X-Men. Uh, maybe just me, but yeah, he's got kind of an Arcade look to him. Not saying it's a bad thing, just saying it's a thing. Alright? Anywho, that's our cover. So, this issue starts out in Star City. Which comic book fans will know that is the home of uh, Green Arrow. In the Arrow TV show, it's been changed to Sterling City. But I'm going off on a tangent there. Star City. The writing has been particularly bad in this part of the city. The looting even worse. And thus, the lone police car cruising cautiously through the rubble feels like it's moving through the heart of a war zone. And we show a couple cops going through the uh, rubble. Making a comment of how the mess looks. Uh, one of the cops, uh, Andy says that uh, the president made a mistake about outlawing the superheroes. Uh, without him, all the geeks in the town are having a field day. His partner, uh, a black guy, is uh, on Godfrey's side, saying that the heroes are the biggest menace of them all. Uh, suddenly, they find themselves upside down. Uh, we see Count Vertigo have, is messing with the cops' mind and making them think they're upside down. Uh, but seeing how they're thinking they're upside down, they crash. Uh, suddenly we hear a, a piercing ee, and Virgo grabs his head. That sound, what? And Black Canary jumps in later. No, you know, it's the sonic calling card of the Black Canary. She jumps in, gives him a good little kick upside his head. 
uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like this costume on the Black Canary. It's not her fishnets, but it's 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 an interesting costume. It's very 80s. Uh, she's got the 80s hair, got the head ba uh, headband, a big collar thing, uh, big poofy sleeves, uh, big boots with uh, I don't know what you call them. Big where she wore a pair of white boots with uh, cufflinks. Is the best thing I think to describe them on the bottom of the boots. Um, so Black Canary knocks out Count Vertical. Count Vertical? Vertigo, before he can use his illusion casting powers. And suddenly, the, the Black Cop from earlier uh, tells Black Canary to put her hands up that she's under arrest for violating the presidential order. His partners climb out of the car saying, Are you out of your mind, Joey? And the other cop, uh, Joey, tells Andy, his partner, that you know he's doing his job, he's reading the scum reading the city of scum like her. Andy is trying to talk his partner, for, you know, he's putting his gun down, Black Canary's on their side. Uh, Joey's not believing this. Uh, Andy tries wrestling the gun from his partner. The gun goes off. Andy tells Black Canary to run for it. He tells, you know, bird lady, get the heck out of here. As Black Canary takes off, um... Joey accidentally shoots Andy because they're scuffling for the gun. It goes off, and Andy falls to the ground shot. Joey's like, my own partner. I just shot my own partner, but it's not my fault. No, she made me do it. That so-called superhero. I swear, if I ever get one of them lousy costume creeps on my side again, I'm going to shoot first and not even bother asking questions. He then calls in a dispatch and says an officer has been murdered. While we see Darkseid saying there, my friend, do you see? Again, he's talking to Phantom Stranger, saying that, you know, man will use the slightest excuse to revert to their savage nature. Phantom Stranger, again, as he has been throughout the series, is defending humankind, uh, saying that, yes, a few unfortunately will, but that's sure as any species. That, you know, ultimately, though, the true heroism, the stuff of legends, is not so easily snuffed out. Darkseid and him continue talking. Uh, again, Phantom Stranger makes a comment about Skataris, where Travis Morgan, known as the Warlord, is fighting. Uh, Darkseid says it's a small problem, calls the sod forward, sent him through a boom tube. Uh, though actually in here, I believe they're called they're calling them Stargates. I think this is one of the few times they call them Stargates. It's also a holdover from the uh, Super Friends TV show. Normally they're called boom tubes. But here, like say in Legends, they're referring to them as Stargates. So he sends the saw through the Stargates to take out uh, Warlord and stop him from becoming a living legend. Uh, I don't think we'll see any more of this, really. This will carry over into the Warlord's own comic that crosses over with Legends. Uh, we cut back to Gotham City, where we see the Joker and some... Uh, Punk rock girl, I guess. You got fishnets, a short skirt, hairs up and wild hair. Uh, looks very rockerish. I got the Joker's all well, surely my sweet. Does reality match your vision? And she tells him her name's now Fungus. Fungus Souffle. Because you've never heard of a successful concept artist named Shirley. And Joker's like, Fungus, Mungus, whatever. Uh, kind of, you know, classic Joker. I, I love the drawing in here, art in this book. Uh, suddenly, we see a cape swooping across the screen, and Joker saying, Welcome, old sport. I've been expecting you. 
so I see Batman's arms grabbing two of Joker's rocker goons and throwing them together to knock them out. Suddenly Joker grabs Shirley and pulls a gun. Excuse me, pulls a gun on her. Tells him to back off, or uh, this lady's going to get her ears pierced the hard way. Shirley doesn't think Joker would do it, and he's like, "Without even blinking, without even blinking, my sweet, tell her, Batman." Batman tells Joker, well, "Tells Joker he's in charge. What does he want?" And uh, Joker's like, "Well, I thought there was a presidential order keeping you people out of you know business." Batman says there is, but I've ignored it. Somebody has to protect the innocents from monsters like you. If I would have acted sooner, all these people you've murdered might still be alive. That's something that's going to be hard to live with. While the Joker's paying attention to Batman, we see he's gently pulling a battering out of the back of his uh, utility belt and gives it a backward flip. It flies out the window, or out the door, around the building, comes crashing in through a window to distract the Joker while Batman punches him in his turkey neck. Just punches him in his face. Joker's un almost unconscious, and he says, After what you did to Catwoman, I ought to kill you, Joker. But then I'd be no better than you are, would I? And we have an editor's note. I love these things. This is C, Detective number 570 for details. Mike. I love when they have little links to other comics in here. So, you know, if you miss this story, you can know where to find it at. Anyways, enough about that. Uh, we cut over to Los Angeles. Where physical fitness, even the extreme, is as much a part of daily life as rush hour routine. We see this big muscle-bound woman with uh, three muscle-bound men. The woman apparently's name is Honey Emma Sue. Uh, they're trying to smash open a security, what is it, Canfield security, with a big metal ram. Uh, they knock the door off the hinges. Uh, the muscle woman grabs it and starts pulling it off. As she pulls it off, this giant green alien insect insect looking creature jumps out at her. Roar! It suddenly grabs her and she's sitting there screaming for help. Next thing we see is uh, Guy Gardner sitting there with his power ring telling her, say, try, try saying pretty please with lots of sugar on it. And uh, she's like, who are you? And she's like, name's Guy Gardner, sugar. The one true Green Lantern as he flies off with him in custody. We cut to Chicago where we see this uh, very attractive brunette woman come walking uh, into this hall. All she's got on is a bikini, a very short bikini, small bikini. Uh, again, as Shag would say, she is hot. For a comic book character, of course. Um, we see there's a sign in the background saying it's Chicago's first annual anti-clock something. People said they're in the way. Some of the men in, some of the men in attendance are oogling over her, trying to you know, trip it. These are older men uh, falling over themselves to help her. They're asking how they can help. Can they get her some coffee? Uh, all of a sudden, she opens her mouth, and just loud bongs start coming out. It's like, bong, bong, real loud, ear-piercing. Suddenly, from the curtains comes Cronus, the time thief. He pops the woman in half, who he calls Tiki, and he pulls out a uh, special carrying cushion that he inflates. Uh, it's a giant cushion that's got imprints in it for clocks that he's in the process of stealing. As he's loading the clocks into his cushion, uh, Blue Beetle shows up and punches him in his jaw. There we bronk. Knocks him down. Uh, Cronus says he's heard of him. He's supposedly a real big man in the town. But here's where you get cut down to size, and suddenly Tiki explodes 
and we see springs and what have you flying out of her. A beetle, uh, yeah, Blue Beetle dives out of the way. He says it's razor sharp gears or as deadly as shrapnel. As Blue Beetle cowers behind something, I say cowers, that makes it sound wrong. As he hides behind something from the shrapnel, uh, Corona says that Blue Beetle has ruined everything or spoiled everything, and he takes out the window on his uh, air chariot or whatever you want to call it. As Blue Beetle starts to get him, the cops show up and tell him to freeze, that he's breaking the law in the outfit. Blue Beetle's like, well, and Kronos wasn't breaking the law? He's like, we can debate the justification of the President's order from now until Doomsday. But frankly, right now I've got more important things to worry about. Like sorting out my sock drawer. Classic Blue Beetle humor. He jumps out the window onto his bug and flies out. Uh, he's got a giant ship that he calls the bug. Uh, if you, if you, yeah, try that in English. If you've seen Watchmen, it's very similar to uh, Night Owl's uh, ship. Because, a little side note here, um, the Watchmen was based on Charlton characters who Blue Beetle was one of. So Night Owl from the Watchmen is based on Blue Beetle. Uh, anyways, enough for that little sidetrack. Uh, back to the comic. Uh, we next find ourselves in Salem, Massachusetts. Salem, Massachusetts, where we see a tower in the middle of nowhere without any doors or windows. As we go inside, we see a blonde-haired man who viewers know, viewers, readers know that this is Kent Nelson, a.k.a. Dr. Fate. He's sitting there, telling, he's watching through his mystic vision all the signs saying, down with heroes, dump the do-gooders, when suddenly his wife, Enza, comes in. And she tells her that, you know, he's got to put the helmet on to go out and help the humanity, help the world. Enza doesn't like him doing it because every time he does, it seems like he may lose a little more of himself to Naboo, a Dr. Fate. Naboo is the uh, lure of order that is Dr. Fate that inhabits Kent's body. Uh, Dr. Fate takes off at this point. We cut to Washington, D.C., where you see Captain Boomerang complaining. He's telling her that, you know, we had a deal, and he's done his part. He wants the explosive bracelet off of him. He's like, I can't speak for Deadshot, Bronze Tiger, or Chantress, but knowing I can get my hand blown off, if Colonel Flag decides to stroll off, ain't giving nothing to his piece, ain't helping this peace of mind. Amanda Waller tells him, you know, trust me, Boomerang, you'll get used to it. About this time, Flag walks in and says, wrong, Amanda. That bracelet is inoperative as of now. And Flag pops the bracelet off of him. Amanda Waller starts yelling at him, like, what the hell do you think you're doing, Colonel? Flag tells her, well, as we promised we do, if these people came through your little suicide mission alive, Ms. Waller, I'm setting them free. Unlike some people, lady, I keep my word. He tells the rest of the group, you've all been accredited to Task Force X, and now you're free to go. And at that point, Boomer takes off. Uh, we got the Gotham City where we see some giant uh, TV screens showing Godfrey on the screen. And again, G. Gordon Godfrey's going on how the president's ordered the superheroes to stop, yet they're still going on. He's telling them that, you know, when the country, when the uh, authority fails, what do you have to do? You know, he's saying that Reagan is claiming he's inciting everyone to riots. And he's like, do you believe the president's right, my friends? And we're like, no, you know, never let us speak Godfrey. Speak for us, Godfrey. They're, they're buying what he's selling hook, line, and sinker. 
And he says, you know, I hear you. I accept your mandate. Uh, he's saying that the evil governments, being our United States government, must be overthrown. When somebody asks how, that's when Godfrey introduces the Warhounds. Cut to New York City, where we see people running in fear. Uh, we see Captain Boomerang throwing his boomerangs, blowing things up. Uh, one of them flies into a gem store and steals a bunch of necklaces. But suddenly it's caught by someone with a red hand, a red uh, sleeve and glove. And uh, Captain Boomerang's on the next page like, well, fancy me and you here. Kid Flash, he says, it's the Flash now, Boomerang, simply Flash. Uh, just for those that may not know, uh, previous to this was the Crisis on Infinite Earths I believe I referred to earlier. Um, at that point in the Crisis, Barry Allen, the Flash, who's going to be starring in the upcoming CW show, died saving the universe. Uh, at that point, his sidekick, Kid Flash, Wally West, took on the Flash's costume became... The Flash. Uh, back to our current story, though. Uh, that's for this crossover, Legends. Um, so Boomerang throws a handful of boomerangs at him. Uh, he's all, well, I heard you was trying to fill the old boy's boots, but frankly, mate, you just ain't man enough. Wally's like, you want to bet, Boomerang? I may not be quite as fast as the man whose costume I now wear, but th that still makes me more than fast enough to handle a jerk like you. Not noticing that one of the boomerangs that Captain Boomerang threw at him, split in half, it looks like, and one of the boomerangs as it came back hit him in the back of the head. At this point, Captain Boomerang pulls out what he calls a razor ring to throw at him when he gets hit by a giant green kangaroo. The kangaroo's going to knock, knock his block off when uh, Wally, Kid Flash, or Flash, grabs him and says, Gar, no, Boomerang isn't your enemy, Changeling, he's mine. And that means I have to be the one to feed him. If the Flash is ever going to stand on his own two feet. Suddenly, we see two Warhounds come running up onto the scene. We cut to Apocalypse, where we see Darkseid saying how his Operation Humiliation is continuing according to plan. Uh, he's only on a little statuette of Superman. He's saying soon the only legend left will be mine. The Phantom Stranger again is talking to him, telling him that not as long as noble beings such as Superman still live. Even though he has chosen to obey the presidential order, he still remains the greatest force for good on Earth. Darkseid says, I, Stranger, on Earth, perhaps. When the Stargate is once more opened, we shall see how he fares here on Unforgiving Apocalypse. Next month, let's slip the dogs of war. And that ends this episode, or issue, Episode so gone, just this issue's over. Uh, this part of the storyline uh, with Superman and Darkseid continues in the Superman books. It's uh, Superman issue number three, Adventures of Superman 426, and Action Comics 586. Uh, also, the three issues have been collected in volume two of Superman the Man of Steel trade paperback series. I'm not going to cover them here. I'm not covering any little side uh, trips through Legends. Uh, I remember reading these back when I started collecting comics. These are some of the ones I picked up. And again, this was the John Byrne Superman, uh, along with, I forget who else was writing the other titles, but I think uh, Marv Wolfman, I believe, was writing, I think Marv was writing action at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they were great titles. Uh, this was a great era for Superman. I definitely recommend it. 
Also, if you're into this era of Superman, there is another podcast called uh, From Crisis to Crisis, which covers the Superman from 1986 onward until uh, 2000 and something. Uh, they just covered the death here last this last year or so, and they're just past the death of Superman. Uh, due to some issues on their end, it's been delayed, it sounds like. I haven't heard that in a couple months, but definitely check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Um, and also, like I say, if you want to know more about this storyline, definitely check out those books. Uh, but that's where our story ends this issue. Next, we'll move on to Legends, issue 5 titled Let Slip the Dogs of War. Again, this one was 75 cents for a 22-page story. Uh, it was on the cover date was dated March of 1987. The on-sale date was December the 16th, 1986. Uh, same as previously, the plotter was John Ostender, the scripter was Len Wein, penciler was John Byrne, inker was Carl Kiesel, letterer is Steve Haney, and colorist was Thomas Zuko, and once again, as usual, the editor is Mike Gold. Uh, the cover of this one, we have a black cover showing Captain Marvel with his hand cocked back in the middle, and he's surrounded by the hero's costumes. Uh, we see the costume of Green Lantern, Flash, the group, when I say Green Lantern, I mean Guy Gardner, the Flash, Changeling, Blue Beetle, Batman, Superman, and Black Canary's costumes laying there. So the issue starts out with a city destroyed, uh, buildings are smashed, cars are smashed. The caption says the city is in flames, and certain sections is virtually deserted now, which makes the solitary figure stumbling through the ruins a most unusual sight. In the, a broken window, we see a sign that says, uh, Rally Today, G. Gordon Godfrey, this speaks on the menace of the superhero. Then we see that the, the figure walking down the street is Billy Batson. And basically it gives a recap of the last, this next couple panels, gives a recap of what's happened with him. Whereas he was fighting Macro Man, he called upon the lightning Shazam, by saying Shazam, and the lightning incinerated, as far as he's concerned, Macro Man. Uh, Billy's distraught by this still. Again, the facial expressions that they draw on here is just oh, fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful artwork. I, I keep saying, uh, John Byrne and Carl Kiesel's work on this—you can see the emotion in Billy's face. Uh, Billy's commenting that Malcolm Man's dead because of Captain Marvel. Marvel, Marvel. Uh, maybe Gordon Goffey is right. Maybe superheroes are a menace. About this time, his little friend uh, comes over and finds him, Lisa. Uh, she asks him, "You know, why did you run away? What's wrong?" He's like, well, I can never explain to you. Just leave me alone. And she's like, no, Billy, I'm going to here to help you. I'm your friend. Suddenly we hear noise. Billy says another riot. He tells her, he tells Lisa to stay where she's at so she doesn't get hurt. She's like, no, somebody has to reason with him and takes off. Uh, Billy chases after when suddenly uh, a stick or a club or looks like some falling debris hits her in the head and knocks her down. Knocks her out. Uh, Billy looks, make sure she's still breathing. And she's like, well, maybe she's right. Maybe the world does need superheroes, if only to save it from the insanity. Either way, I can't keep running, can't keep hiding all my life. The old wizard gave me a secret, sacred trust when he gave me the power. And it's time I started living up to my obligation, come what may. And then he says the magic words, Shazam! 
lightning strikes from the sky, turns him back into Captain Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel's like, for better or worse, I'm back. And this time it's time to stay. And this time it's to stay. Well, I really need to work on my reading comprehension. Uh, we have our title here, Let's Slip the Dogs of War. Uh, very nice, again, uh, John Byrne penciled, Carl Kieselt ink, inked, Tom Zuko colored. It's a wonderful picture. I wouldn't mind having this as a poster. It shows Captain Marvel sitting there, the magic energy is flowing off of him, his little cape's flapping in the wind. Behind him we see the destroyed wall and a window uh, with little Lisa laying there unconscious in the background. It's a very nice drawing. Uh, suddenly, now that he's Captain Marvel, Billy or Captain Marvel exclaims, Holy moly! Now that I have the wisdom of Solemn, I realize I've been had. He realized that his, his lightning was not responsible for Macroman's death. It is all an elaborate hoax. Uh, he flies off to save the city. Uh, the crowd's going against them, saying they don't believe it. One of the superhero creeps are right here. And they start trying to gang up on and beat up Captain Marvel. Suddenly, Billy, or Captain Marvel says that they've frozen in place, and we see a yellow hand saying, Captain Marvel, you are needed. And he's gone. We've got the Star City, where we see Black Canary jumping over a rooftop, thinking back about how it's weird being an outlaw. She hasn't been considered an outlaw since she first started as a crime fighter. She jumps down, jumps down and takes out a couple of guys... Remember this thing called the Laser 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 League. Try that in English. Laser League. Easy for you to say, hard for me to say. Uh, they shoot at her. She uses her canary cry, and then kicks one of them, knocks him out. Uh, suddenly, we hear a mysterious voice saying, "Black Canary, you are needed." She looks up, huh? And then she's gone. Cut to Los Angeles. We see cars and a big boom explosion going on. People saying he's crazy. Next thing we know, we see this guy, and looks like, I'm not sure what kind of jacket it is or whatever he's wearing, uh, but he's got like a, a red splotch in his hand, and he says his name is Sunspot. The ultimate power is finally mine, as it always should have been. As he's monologuing, saying that he's going to make the world in his own image, uh, Guy Gardner shows up, taps him on the shoulder, and tells him, you know, when it comes to wielding power, you ain't seen nothing yet. Sunspot picks up a big super oil company rig and swinging it around. Gardner's all, hey, does Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger know you've stolen his act? Now we can do this the easy way or the hard way, Stretch. The choice is yours. As he's talking to him, distract him, he's got his hands behind his back and he's using his power ring to make a tendril of energy go along the ground. It goes up and it pokes a hole in the truck. And gas, or oil, it looks like oil, comes flirting down on top of him. Uh, he throws the cab down, or the truck, towards Guy Gardner, where it explodes. When the flames clear, we see Guy sitting there in a bubble, sitting on a chair with, you know, it looks like lemonade or something next to him. And Guy decides to sign pen into it, so he wraps a, a manacle around Sunspot's foot and picks him up off the ground. Sunspot says that nobody makes a fool of him, that he has the ultimate power, the power to create a new universe. And he tries to fire and blast it, Guy, but Guy makes a shield and blocks it, of course, 
uh, Sunspot figures he's going to free himself, so he fries, tries shooting off the manacle, and all it does is it burns his foot off. He drops to the ground, his foot's just a smoking ruin at this point. Guy pets the energy bulb around it so he doesn't bleed to death, tells him he can take him to the doctor. Sunspot tries, gets ready to fire another energy blast at Gardner, and Guy pets the bulb around his hand and tells him, you know what, try using power again, and you have a stump on your wrist to match one on your leg. And he starts to take him away in the background. We see a yellow cape and some yellow boots, and a voice says, Green Lantern, you're needed. And again, he's gone. We go to Chicago, uh, where Blue Beetle's commenting that Cronus is back behind bars, but he still doesn't know about his master plan. He leaps out of the bug, runs along a roof, a roof, rooftop, a rooftop. Again, contemplating how he's a how he's an outlaw now. Uh, pets some good company like Robin Hood, William Tell, Zorro, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Pimpernel? Ah. Let's say he looks down. There's this blonde girl halfway out her window with a. She looks like she's got out of the shower. She's all wet, and she's got a towel in front of her. And she thinks Blue Beetle's a peeping tom. Starts yelling for the police. Blue Beetle leaps off the roof and says, you know, great, they're going to think I'm a pervert now. As he comments that she has a nice tush. Suddenly, we we see the voice again. Blue Beetle, you're needed. And he's gone. Uh, we're in Gotham City. We have Batman contemplating on the rooftop. There's something going, weird's going on. And he's going to find out what it is. He's just trying to figure out, he knows he's seen Godfrey before, but he can't place where it's at. And again, the mysterious voice says, Batman, you are needed. And he's gone. Back to New York City, where we see Flash, Changeling, and Captain Boomerang with a couple, three or four warhounds and an angry mob uh, trying to attack, trying to attack our heroes and villain. Flash is running around taking their clubs out of their hand. Boomerang's throwing his boomerangs at them, blowing up the warhounds. And at this point, we see those people that's inside the warhound operating it. Uh, he throws a couple more. Captain Boomerang throws a couple more boomerangs. Destroys another warhound. Not caring if there's actual humans in there. Again, the crowd's getting angry at him. They start chasing Captain Boomerang. One of them grabs him by his ascot and throws him in the crowd. Look, he's crowd surfing almost. They throw him on top of the crowd. We saw the hands holding him up. Uh, they say they're going to take him to Godfrey. The Godfrey don't know what to do with him. Um, before Flash and Changeling can go to help him, Again, we see a yellow cape with the words saying, Flash, Changeling, you are needed. And those are both gone. Back at the White House, where we see Reagan and a couple of his people talking to Superman. He said he's tried to send in... He was in the military, but that didn't work since most of the soldiers quickly defected Godfrey's side. And he comments how there's been reports of various superheroes disappearing all over the country. Super makes a comment that it could be the work of Darkseid. He snatched me earlier today. Uh, this refers back to those three issues of the Superman comics I mentioned earlier. Uh, Superman, Adventures, and Action that I referred to. Suddenly, Dr. Fate appears, telling him that it's a logical theory, but quite incorrect. That he's here uh, to help out, to do what must be done. One of the men, maybe it's Reagan, I can't quite make it out. Oh yeah, it is Reagan, because he says that... His actions is in direct opposition to his executive order. Dr. Fate says, Unfortunate, Mr. President, but I serve a higher authority. 
The fate of the world, the entire world is at stake here, and fate is my providence. Superman, you are needed. And then they're both gone. Cut back to Metropolis, where we see Godfrey, again, monologuing, telling people how their brothers and sisters are taking up their arms against the common enemy. The American people's cried enough. Uh, they've lived long enough in the shadow of the superhero. He's trying to get work on the crowd to a frenzy. When suddenly they bring out Captain Boomerang. Uh, Godfrey's asking the people, what should we do with this sinner? And they're saying, hang him, burn him, feed him to the warhounds. Uh, Boomerang's like, you'll be sorry. I'm not alone in this. I've got friends. And if they know what's good for them, they'll get me out of this now. Uh, Godfrey says, you know, tells his guards to take him away. They're going to march on Washington. We cut to a TV where we see Flag and Waller watching what had just transpired. Waller says that Boomerang's threats were obviously aimed at them and that we either have to rescue him or he's going to blow off the lid of Task Force X. And that's something we cannot allow. Uh, she tells Waller that they need to eliminate him. Either free him, rescue him, or eliminate him, whichever seems easier. I will not allow Task Force X to be compromised. Flag's not happy with talking about murdering somebody. He doesn't want to allow a man to get murdered. And Amanda's like, this is a national defense. You may not have a choice. I'll leave the final decision up to you, Colonel. You know what the stakes are. I trust you know what you'll, I trust you'll know what to do. Flag realizes that, unfortunately, she's right, that this is a matter of national security, and he has to do whatever he has to. God help him. We cut to the Lincoln Monument, where we see a whole crowd of people with picket signs, and Godfrey's up, cheering them on riling them up, getting them worked up to take down the government, take down superheroes. Uh, he tells the crowd that, you know, we don't answer the government, we answer to the true authority. About this time, Dr. Fate shows up and says, yeah, we knew who that authority is, don't we, Godfrey? Uh, Godfrey tells him that he's insane coming there in front of his enemies, we are a legion, and when you're alone, Dr. Fate's like, Fate is never alone. And suddenly he calls forth the superheroes he's been collecting. Uh, we see Batman, Changeling, Guy Gardner, Flash, Blue Beetle, Shazam, Black Canary, and Superman. Meanwhile, back on Apocalypse, uh, again, Phantom Stranger and Darkseid still talking about what's going on. Darkseid tells him that it's, time for, it's still time for him to concede. And Phantom Stranger's like, no, the heroic idea is too much of humanity to be ever eradicated. Cut to a hospital room in Gotham City where we see Jason Todd. He got his foot up in a cast, bandage on his head, watching TV, watching the riots going on. Jason's like, well, it's getting worse. I was one of the first to fall to the mobs. I won't be the last. Next thing we know, he's saying that, you know, Godfrey's insanity threatens everybody, adult and kids alike. And we see him dressed back in his Robin costume. He's got an arm in a cast, a leg in a cast, limping out, saying he's going to do whatever he can to help out. And the last panel just shows Darkseid laughing. Uh, says, and back on Desolute Apocalypse, Darkseid humble hunger dogs hear the shuddering echo of their master's mocking laughter and pull their shutters tight against the coming storm. Next month, finale. Be here. And that ends issue five of Legends. And before we continue, our, continue on to our final issue, let's hear from one final friend of the show.
Hey there, this is Aaron Moss, a.k.a. Head. I'm into comic books, movies, reading, comedy, and most things geeky. I hate politicians, political correctness, and other assorted stupidity. Come join me monthly as I talk about the things I like and the things I hate. But honestly, it's mostly about the stuff I enjoy. Where, you ask? Why, I can be found at Head Speaks. I'm on iTunes under Head Speaks and my own personal website at headspeaks.com. H-E-A-D-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. Head Speaks is a proud member of the Headcast family. Come on, take a listen. This podcast is not endorsed or affiliated with Kid and Play. Though, that would be cool, huh? Yeah, I can't recommend that last podcast enough. Head Speaks, great podcast. But anyways, enough about that, Joker. Let's move on to the final issue, issue six of Legends, entitled Finale. Uh, once again, it was 75 cents, this time for 30 pages. It was on sale April of 1987. Sorry, strike that. The cover date was April of 1987. Uh, the on-sale date was January the 29th of 1987. Uh, once again, the plotter was John Ostender, scripter was still Len Wein, penciler John Byrne, inker was Carl Kiesel with Dennis Janke, letterer was Steve Haney, and colorist was Carl Gafford. Editor, as always, was Mike Gold. Uh, this time, the cover shows all the heroes that we've been talking about, that we've been seeing for the last five ep- uh, issues, with the addition of Wonder Woman and the Martian Manhunter. Uh, Along the top of the cover, it says, This is it, Legends. At the bottom of the cover, it says, The Conclusion of the Six-Part Miniseries by Ostrander, Ween, Byrne, Kiesel! Exclamation mark. The last issue of this fantastic series. At least, fantastic in my opinion. Uh, But anyways, enough about the cover. Let's move on to the actual book. Uh, We start, we have our title page, Finale. We show uh, Darkseid and the Phantom Stranger standing around talking as they have been the last five issues. Darkseid's gloating that the victory is finally his. And he says, nothing is, nothing is, nothing, and nothing has anything tasted so sweet. Let me read that whole line because it's not coming out right for me. Victory is finally mine, Stranger, and nothing, I can't read today, folks. Victory is finally mine, Stranger, and never has anything tasted so sweet. There you go. That makes sense if I read the whole thing and actually read it the way it's written. Um, anyways, the Phantom Stranger tells him that his celebration is premature. The battle's not yet over. Uh, again, they're both the same way they've been doing the last five issues. Their own to- their own line. Dark Side thinks that humanity is going to uh, destroy the hum- uh, the superheroes and the Phantom Stranger thinks that humanity's uh, inner nature, inner beauty, is going to come forth and uh, stick up for the heroes in the end. At this point, Darkseid kind of recounts what's been going on. Uh, that he sent Godfrey, one of his minions called Glorious Godfrey, in the guise of G. Gordon Godfrey to Earth. 
Uh, right now he's at the top of the Lincoln Memorial, working him into a mob, using his per persuasive powers that he has. Uh, they show there's costumes burning an effigy, saying that all the heroes should be destroyed. Uh, then we go, he talks about how uh, the first the apparent murder of the rampaging macro man by Captain Marvel ended his career. And then Brimstone overpowered, humiliated the once proud Justice League of America. Of course, in the Justice League of America's uh, defense, this was actually the uh, what's known as the Detroit League. wasn't the greatest moments of the Justice League history. Uh, Ronald Reagan issues a presidential order condemning all superheroes, including Superman. And mankind's envy and distrust will just cause them to destroy their heroes. Leaving the only legend left is him. Him being Darkseid. And the Phantom Stranger says that there's one thing he hasn't factored into the equation. And that uncontrollable factor will prove his downfall. Uh, we cut back to Washington, the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Where we have the, uh, the superheroes confronting Godfrey. About this time, Martian Manhunter shows up. Martian, uh, sorry, Martian. Martian Manhunter shows up, and Dr. Fate says he did not summon him. But the Manhunter's like, well, it doesn't matter, I go where I'm needed. Uh, Superman asks if the rest of the league's behind him, and he says no. At this, this moment, the Just League of America no longer exists. Again, as I said, I think it was last issue. Uh, the final four issues of the Just League of America is where the group disbanded what was left of them. If you haven't read those, go read those books. I, I enjoyed them. Uh, Godfrey's telling the Warhounds to destroy the heroes. Uh, so there's a little fight. Shazam takes out a Warhound. Uh, but he's telling the guys, you know, we have to watch out so we don't just don't hurt the Warhounds controllers. Because as we talked about earlier, humans are actually controlling the Warhounds. Uh, Guy Gardner says, that's the difference between us, Captain Marvel. You actually care about these creeps. And again, Flash is uh, again warning Gardner to watch out for the humans inside. Dr. Fate's pulling humans out mystically while Superman's destroying the Warhounds after they're gone. Uh, like this little scene right here. Uh, Superman, after Martian Manhunter just pulled a couple of the people out, made them intangible, pulled them out. Superman says, now that the Warhound is empty, I can finally flex a muffler too. Batman's got his own Warhound. He's like, easy for him to say. He can move mountains with a shrug. But I have to handle this berserker the hard way. And he jumps up with the Warhound and knocks out the guy who's driving it. Uh, Godfrey's saying that you know, they, think they've, they think they've got the upper hand, but he's got Warhounds all over the city ready to cause destruction. And if that's not enough, suddenly another boom tube, or as they're calling it in this series, a Stargate opens up, and Parademons come flying through. Uh, Beetle mentions... That it looks like escapees from Wizard of Oz. And Dr. Face, this, this is why I've summoned you, my friends. All of humanity now rests in your hands. So the heroes take off to stop the Warhounds and the Parademons. Uh, the uh, Dr. Fate is telling the people that the violence has gone long enough. He's trying to talk the people down. Uh, meanwhile, Godfrey's standing back watching and as the crowd starts to approach Dr. Fate to take him out. And we hear him saying, the one called Dr. Fate is a physician, my faithful one. 
and distracted by the crowd. The moment for you to strike is now. When suddenly a parademon flies by, grabs Dr. Fate's helmet, the helmet of Naboo, takes it off his head and flies off. Uh, leaving Dr. Fate as just merely Kent Nelson at this point. Surrounded by a crowd of an angry mob. They're saying he's a traitor, just some ordinary guy. Even though he doesn't have his, his incredible, all of his Doctor of Fate powers, he still has a portion of the mystic power, so he flies away. And he also, as he's thinking, he says he can have super strength in the power of flight. So he chases down the Parademon and try to get his helmet back. And Godfrey is commenting, saying, or at least thinking to himself, that and thus dies yet another legend. Won't Almighty Darkseid be proud of his glorious Godfrey? For the moment, my work here is done. The rabble I've roused will keep those other heroes occupied while I take a brief detour to have a little chat with my reluctant prisoner. And we see Doctor Doctor Captain Boomerang being belligerent and yelling at the Warhounds and Godfrey, telling them that you know, let me get my hands on my boomerangs. You'd be whistling a different tune. And Godfrey tells him that uh, he already knows most of the details, talking about how they destroyed Brimstone. But what, what, what he would like to know is why a group of supervillains is working together to defend the world. He said that is another story entirely. And at this point, Boomer's about ready to blab everything he knows about the Suicide Squad, Task Force X. Uh, the last panel of this page, we see Boomer's head in a crosshairs. On the next page, we see Rick Flag stopping Deadshot from killing him. Uh, Deadshot re reiterates their command to either rescue him or ice him before he reveals the existence of Task Force X. And Flag's like, well, I know that, but I'm the one that's going to decide. And I think there's a chance to free him. Uh, he has Enchantress use her magic. And he, uh, the Enchantress apparently turns the Warhound into strawberry jello to Godfrey's chagrin. And suddenly the kneecap of another one gets blown off. So at this point Godfrey takes off uh, some of the people that's, that was in the strawberry jello warhound is calling for help and he tells them to help themselves. Uh, Rick Flagg tells Bronze Tiger that Godfrey's his. Bronze Tiger jumps down off the roof, leaps off a couple of buildings, says he'll be right back with the trash, and he lands in front of Godfrey. And Godfrey uses his powers to turn the Bronze Tiger to his side. Uh, we're back with Flag, Enchantress, and Deadshot rounding up Boomerang. Boomerang's telling it's good to see him. We, he knew he wouldn't let old Digger down. Uh, he's apologizing for the threats he made. And he says, you know, I was only kidding. You know, Digger wouldn't really breathe a word about. And about this point, uh, Rick Flag's like, Boomerang, shut up, and just punches him in the jaw. He tells him, we had a deal, mister, and you didn't keep it. As of now, Boomerang, all bets are off. You're back with the program, perhaps permanently. Now let's find Tiger and hit the road. Uh, then we see Batman looking for Godfrey. Uh, he takes out a bunch of idiots with guns. Then we cut over to Guy Gardner. Uh, smashing a couple of warhounds using a giant, looks like piston or mallet or something he made with his ring. 
He takes one out, one that way. And while he's uh, using his rings, his rings, his ring to take out Warhounds, he's trying to prove to the Guardians that he is the best Green Lantern for the job. We see a woman in the shadows watching him, saying that she did not intend to reveal her presence in the man's world so soon after her arrival. Next panel, you can only see it's Wonder Woman. I don't know if they're still trying to keep it a surprise, but she mentioned that you know she's an Amazon. And then she's going out to help, basically. Uh, just for readers' information, pre-crisis that I've been talking about, uh, Wonder Woman was a part of the original Justice League. Uh, after the crisis, they've changed things around, and she just came to Man's World, as she's saying here, right now. Uh, so they substituted Black Canary in the original Green uh, Justice League team. And this is Wonder Woman's first actual post-crisis appearance. Uh, so anyways, as I said, we finally see on the next page, uh, we see Diana, Wonder Woman, the firstborn of the noble Hippolyte. I can never pronounce her mom's name. Uh, Diana, Princess of the Amazons, whom these of man's world shall come to call Wonder Woman, picking up a warhound. Gardeners flying by like, eep! Like, what the heck? Wow, who's this hottie? She destroys the Warhound, and Gardner tells her, you know, not bad, babe, you just might have a future in this biz. He introduces himself as Guy Gardner, again, the one true Green Lantern. Wonder Woman calls him out and says, if I suggest if you're on the side of honor, you stop oogling me and protect those you have sworn to protect. And she goes off to destroy more parademons, or more uh, Warhounds. Uh, then we cut to uh, some men attacking the Oval Office, the White House. Blasting their way in. A couple guys, masked guys and fatigues, brown fatigues come in and tell them that the people have held an impromptu election and you've been voted out. Uh, Reagan stands up to him, says, This office is not about terrorism. You have exactly five seconds to surrender yourselves. Uh, the guy says, You know what? That's enough. And they shoot Reagan. Uh, Reagan stands there, shirt shredded, not a single dent in him. Reagan's like, now you have two seconds. Time's up, game's over, as he lays out both guys. Suddenly behind him, after both, guard, uh, both of these guys have been knocked out, the door opens up, and Reagan comes walking into the room with Reagan, saying, are you all right? The first Reagan, that was in there to begin with, shifts back into the Martian Manhunter. Uh, one of his Secret Service men tells Reagan, watch out, they don't trust the alien... And Reagan's like, don't be a bonehead, Arthur. Green skin or otherwise, this man just risked his life for mine. And I intend to thank him. As the hero does, Marshall Manhunter tells him there's no need to thank me, it's what I do. And Marshall Manhunter flies off to join the fray. Uh, Reagan says, you know, Callahan, call the press corp. I'm rescinding my executive order banning superheroes effective immediately. And Callahan's questioning about that. And he's like, yes, I'm sure, son. Why is this thing I've done these past few days? Uh, we got the cat, uh, Superman taking out some parademons, uh, telling Captain Marvel they need to hurry up and capture the parademons before they can spread. Uh, so Superman's got a handful. Captain Marvel's got a handful of parademons uh, destroying them. Then we see Flash and Changeling who's in the form of, uh, I don't know, that's a gazelle or something, I believe, running along the streets. 
Flash is rounding, running around, knocking out people, the, the, uh, the angry mob, knocking some of them out. We see Black Canary and Blue Beetle knocking them out, fighting the mob. Suddenly, Batman swings down to help out. Next page, uh, we see the rest of the heroes showing up. Martian Manhunter, Guy Gardner, Wonder Woman, Dr. Fate, well, Kent Nelson at this point still, with the Dr. Fate costume, sans helmets. Uh, Captain Marvel and Superman come flying down to help out the Earthbound heroes. Superman tells people to stay back. We don't want to hurt you. Uh, Glorious Godfrey comes up and says, no, don't listen to him. They're trying to deceive you with Bronze Tiger by his side. And he says, to ensure our dream of a new society, you must kill these cursed superheroes, my friends. You must destroy them all. Uh, our heroes are looking on the crowd as the crowd draws closer to them. Back on Apocalypse, Darkseid's laughing, telling the Phantom Stranger that, you know, the end is near, basically. When suddenly, uh, kids come running onto the scene, telling the adults to stop, you know, don't take another step. Uh, Lisa and a couple of the little couple uh, boys, possibly. One's a boy, the other one, I'm not quite sure if it's a boy or a girl. Anyways, Lisa and a couple of other kids are telling the yeah, mom it's wrong, it's crazy. Robin comes up and says, you guys can't believe that Batman and the others are menaces. You stop and think for a second. Remember all the good they've done. Lisa's like, well, we believe in our in these heroes and what they represent. You once told me we could all be heroes, Daddy, if that's what we wanted. Please, Daddy, be my hero now. Billy's giving her, or Captain Marvel is giving her some mental encouragement. Uh, Godfrey's saying, you can't believe her. Don't, you know, the, these heroes, if you want to call them that, have twisted her poor little mind. And then he slaps her, knocks her down. And the crowd, yeah. Just like reality, no one likes someone that abuses kids. Uh, they're like, did you see that? He slapped that kid. What kind of animal is he? And she, she plays it, little Lisa plays it to the hill. Please, mister, don't hit me again. And Godfrey realizes what happened. He's lost control of him. And he's like, the only way I can gain, regain control of this crowd is by using the helmet of Dr. Fate. So he puts it on his head to try to use that to give him more power than even Darkseid himself, to retake the crowd, to destroy the heroes. But when he does so, that's a big mistake. As the panel here says, it takes less than a second for the mystic power of the Helmet of Naboo, the power of a Lord of Order, to slash through the racing mind of Glorious Godfrey. And then it's gone, taking the slivered remains of Godfrey's mind with it. So Godfrey's laying there just drooling at this point, and Dr. Fate takes his helmet back. The rest of the crowd, the crowd's coming out of their mind control, and they're like, what the heck are we doing? So they start taking off, and Bronze Tiger says it's time for Task Force X to disappear. And the crowd's begging Superman and the other heroes to forgive him. Superman's like, well, you guys are being controlled. Nothing to forgive. Meanwhile, Gardner's being Guy Gardner. He's like, the hell there is. No matter how brainwashed, no matter how potent of what Godfrey said, he couldn't have done anything if you guys didn't already have that in your mind. And again, Captain Marvel, the, the young kid, basically, that's inside of him, steps forward and tells him, you know, don't judge people so harshly. We're just responsible as they are. I, I like this little line he says here. Uh, Captain Marvel's talking to Guy Gardner. He's saying, it's part of our job to stand apart from humanity, to protect them from the threats only we can deal with. If you're looking for hero worship, friend, better look for it elsewhere.
And Wonder Woman chimes in with, You make your point well, Captain Marvel. Whether they be worshipped or reviled, there will always be a need for true heroes. At this point, Mar uh, Dr. Fate says that, you know, that Johns has indicated that the Justice League has been disbanded, but there is a need for the Justice League, so, you know, who will stand beside me in the name of Justice? And Batman, Martian Manhunter, Black Canary, and Captain Marvel all say they'll join. Guy Garner says that he's not exactly a joiner, but he'll think about it. Uh, Blue Beetle says that he uh, will join up with him. The Flash said he's still trying to sort out his life. Non-story-wise, I mean, he's got his actual comic coming out now, his new comic. So he's trying to get his own life in order. But he tells them that if they need him, he'll be there. The uh, Changeling, uh, Garfield Logan, tells them he's still a card-carrying member of the Teen Titans. But if you guys want, you can join us. Uh, Superman says, same as Flash. If you guys need me, I'll be there. And he turns to Wonder Woman, and she's gone. Batman says, we'll see her again. Captain Marvel's wondering, you know, what we're going to call ourselves. Dr. Fate's like, well, I think that, so that should be obvious. And Blue Beetle says, Doc's right. There's a perfectly good name lying right now unused. I vote we call ourselves the Justice League. And thus, the game is finally in a dark side. And as I foretold you, you have lost. And again, this is Phantom Changer talking to Darkseid. Back on Apocalypse. Darkseid saying it was an entirely reasonable plan, but the curse of humans are too unpredictable. It's only a temporary setback. In the end, humanity is destined to fall before the matchless might of Darkseid the Destroyer. And then the final page shows a, a phantom image, if you will, of the Phantom Stranger, uh, basically monologuing about what constitutes a legend. I'll go and read this last page. It says, it is power, uh, sorry, the Phantom Stranger says, what constitutes a legend? It is powers and abilities beyond those of mortal men. Or is it a fighting heart that refuses to acknowledge defeat? For centuries, beyond numbering, from the ancient campfire to the towering condom, condominium, wow, that was a tough word for me, condominium, man has relied on his legends to hold back the night. Men call me the Phantom Stranger, and there are those who, I, who claim that I am a legend as well. If so, I am proud to be counted in the company of such as these. He gives a little Bible verse after that. We end with a scene of the entire uh, group of heroes we've been dealing with. And it says at the very bottom, the new beginning. And that is the end of Legends. Again, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a great series. I love the artwork on it. Uh, I... Uh, I can't say enough about it. It was fantastic. Out of this spun the uh, Giffen DeMantis Justice League series, which was a fantastic series. Uh, if you're looking for a great comical read of superheroes, pick up uh, Giffen and DeMantis' Justice League. It started in late uh, 87 or so. Also, the new Flash series started at this time, with Wally West's The Flash. And another little book started up, which you guys uh, may have heard of, since you're listening to this podcast, The Suicide Squad, formed out of this book. Um, which, starting next issue, we'll get to the first issue of The Suicide Squad. Uh, a couple, Another little note here. Um, I, I listened to, as I think I've mentioned before, The Flash podcast, which is going to be covering the new Flash TV show on CW. And on episode 
34 of the Flash podcast, uh, Andy B., the host, had a guest host on there called Russ Burlingham. Burlingham? Burlingham? From comicbook.com. He's a writer of them. And he says that the San Diego, one of the con- uh, panels they had, uh, one of the producers or someone affiliated with CW says that there's a possible Suicide Squad miniseries being talked about. Uh, it may be like uh, they're going to do for what's over on uh, ABC uh, they've got the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sorry my mind blanked out they got the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series and in December when it goes on a hiatus for the winter break they're going to do an Agent 13 I think I was going to call it Agent 13 a uh, little mini series like 8 episode series about Sharon Carter um, maybe something like that you know in between break maybe do a Suicide Squad Quad miniseries. Again, it's not written in stone. That's what he says is being rumored about right now. I would love to see that. If so, I'll tell you guys about it. I want to hear more. Uh, but that'll do it for this issue. Issue 6 of Legends. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, again, this is my third episode of my podcast. Uh, how am I doing? Let me know what you guys think. Send me an email to taskforcex at headspeaks.com or you can go to my website headspeaks.com click on the little button at the top that says uh, headcast and that will take you to the page where I list my different headcasts I have this one and as I mentioned earlier headspeaks click on the link for that and that will take you to the blog go ahead and leave a comment on there if you don't mind uh, let's get some chat going um, let me know what you guys think how am I doing what should I change would you guys like to see? Uh, but yeah, I mean, this this works. Be- I mean, it, I'm going to be doing this no matter what. But it works better if I get some interaction from you folks. So come on and write in. Speaking of writing in, uh, it's time for a listener mailbag. Uh, first comment I'm going to read today is uh, it was a comment that was left on my blog from Shalom Ben. Hungenstein, who's affiliated with the Suicide Squad blog, Suicide Squad blog that I've talked about before. I've got a link on my site for it. It's at Suicide Squad Task Force Again, there's a link on my side, the sister site for it. His comment was, "I'm not into the WW2 era of the Squad, but I thought the commentary before and after that part of the podcast was fairly interesting. I listened to other podcasts in the past." They covered old back issues from a series I've read. In general, I find that to be entertaining to a point. Now, here's what I think would be a a great podcast, because it deals with something that's new and pretty much all the talk of town for Suicide Squad fans. Batman Assault on Arkham. See, I'd rather you watch it digitally or go pick it up at the nearest Big Mark's Mart store. I found it yesterday at Target for a measly 13 bucks. Well, Ben, as you've heard this episode, we did talk about Task um, Batman. Assault on Arkham. Uh, what do you think about it? And what do you guys think about it out there? Again, write in about this, about any of these issues of Legends or the Assault on Arkham. Uh, write in, let me know what you think. Uh, also, another letter I received. Actually, this was a message on Facebook from Shag Matthews over at the Firestorm fan. He says, Hi, Aaron. I finally got a chance to listen to Task Force X. Really enjoyed your coverage of these early Brave and the Bold issues. I've never read them and didn't realize they immediately preceded the first Justice League of America appearances. 
They sound like some fun, wacky Silver Age goodness. Also, thanks for the great plug for the Wire, Fire and Water podcast. And I'll plug them again. Uh, definitely ch- check out the Fire and Water podcast and their Who Who's po- Who Who's Who podcast, which I advertised earlier. Great podcast, one of my favorites I listen to. But enough about waxing their car. Back to mine. Uh, he continues on. Much appreciated. I'm looking forward to your eventual coverage of the Ostrander series. If I may, I have a suggestion for you. Based upon episode one, it sounds like you're really anxious to cover the Ostrander stories, and that's where your passion lies. Perhaps for episode two, rather than continue your coverage of the older stories, maybe you jump right into the Ostrander stuff, complete the older stories as backup features and episodes. Again, just a suggestion. Wherever just you go, I'll be listening. Thanks. The irredeemable Shag. Well, as you can, as I mentioned last episode, I did take Shag's advice, and uh, again, eventually, maybe if, somewhere down the line, I'll cover those other three or four appearances of the Task Force X Suicide Squad. Uh, but for now, I've decided you know to forego those, forego those issues. These last two issues have covered the six-issue Legends miniseries. Uh, which leads us to the final part of our show. Upcoming. Upcoming, we have next episode, we have Secret Origins number 14, which tells the origin of, it talks about the original Suicide Squad that I talked about in my first episode, and the current squad. And also, we'll get to Suicide Squad number one. I'll have two character profiles Rick Flagg Jr. and Nemesis. Also, keep listening for future epi- for future episodes of Task Force X, where we'll cover the future ep- future ish other issues. Try that again, folks. We'll cover cover other issues of Suicide Squad, including the crossover with Firestorm. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a special guest for that episode. Uh, but that's enough about what's upcoming. Uh, just keep listening to see what's upcoming. Uh, at this point, all I've got left to say is make sure you visit my Facebook page and Google+. Plus. Both can be located looking for Task Force X. Just do a search on Task Force X and you should see both of the, see my pages on both Facebook and Google+. Plus. Uh, send in your comments via either email, Facebook, Google+, Plus, uh, my blog, wherever you want. Go ahead and just send me some information. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, go ahead and go to iTunes and rate and review me, please. Maybe bring me up in iTunes a little bit. And again, as I said, drop me an email. TaskForceX at HeadSpeaks.com Let me know what you think. Thanks. Have a good day, guys. And thank you for listening to another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main podcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever else is bugging me that week. My home on the internet is at headspeaks.com. Links to my blog, which contain le- follow-up information to this and every headcast, can be found there. Please email me any questions, comments, or concerns to taskforcex at headspeaks.com. That's taskforcex at headspeaks.com, all one word. I am also on Facebook at taskforcex. If you're on Google+, look for taskforcex under People and Pages. All titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership whatsoever to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, Task Force X, or any of the other characters mentioned in the show. I'm just a big old fan wanting to spread the Task Force love with everyone else. 
be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for the Suicide Squad and Checkmate Comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that manages you. Pick up a comic, it's fun. Now, make sure to join us next time for another fun-filled podcast from your friendly neighborhood brotherhood. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages.